Welcome to episode 87 of the Ski Podcast and thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be chatting about all the latest travel rules and there's a, a lot of them. Uh, the Swiss Magic Pass, the best new kit for next winter. Plus we have some snow reports from around the Alps and we're going to be finding out about uh, another location you can ski outdoors in England. Well, I have to jump in, listener, and congratulate Dave Riding, who on Saturday recorded the first ever World Cup win in alpine skiing by a British skier. It really is a phenomenal achievement, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And uh, my my entire congratulations to Dave. And listener, if you're interested in finding out a little more about Dave, uh, I recommend episode 55 of the Ski Podcast. We interviewed him back in May 2020, and here's a little snippet now that gave you an insight into his character i'm not really a person that really chases the limelight to be honest i don't i'm not doing it for for the limelight or for money or anything like that because i'm not bothered about the limelight i just i just do it because i have my personal goals and that's enough for me some people live for the limelight and want to stay in it as long as they can uh, I'm not bothered in that. It's just not. It's not for me. Um, so much stress comes with it as well when you're trying to be in this or trying to be in this, like whatever, and you're pushing yourself. And no, I, I, I'm from up north. We're, we don't chase the limelight. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to start off by thanking Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, Switzerland remains the simplest country to go to. Uh, they've recently announced there's no test on uh, entry if you're vaccinated. And if you've got children, there's no extra rules in place for the under 16s. And if you're looking for something new, they have a great bucket list of experiences you can try. So I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Now, I do put a lot of time into the podcast and, and Switzerland tourism support does make a, a difference. And I'm very pleased to announce there's been some recognition for that as the ski podcast has been nominated as Best Winter Sports podcast in the sports podcast awards and uh, i'm really very proud of that we're up against podcasts from broadcasters like the bbc and, and brands like vans so it's a it's a major achievement uh, the ski podcast takes up a lot of my time i kept my mental health in check last winter when we couldn't ski so later on the pod i'll explain how you can vote if you want to and that would be uh, amazing now my name's ian martin i'd like to introduce my guest today uh, firstly i've got simon burgess who's joining us directly from switzerland he was previously on the show with his report from Rays in the Lake District in episode 73. Uh, hi Simon, how are you? Morning Ian, I'm good thanks uh, and it's nice to be back. Excellent and remind us where you are today. Uh, so I'm currently in Verkorin which is in the Val de Anniversaire uh, in Valais, Switzerland. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that later. We also have Martina Diaz from SkiGuru.com. Hi Martina, how are you going? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, welcome to your first time uh, on the show. Look forward to uh, talking to you about uh, Italy a little bit later on. And we've got a regular Al Morgan from Ski Kit Info joining us as well, who's hot off the train from Slide uh, up in Telford. Is it still held in Telford? It is, yeah. And just remind us what Slide is. So Slide is the UK's kind of action sport. Winter sport really is the focus. Trade show looking at the hardware. And this year they combined it with the outdoor trade show. So it was a bigger show. More people there, more kit on, on, on exhibition. And yeah, it's like being a kid in a sweet shop. It's pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Well, we look forward to hearing what you have to say about that. Now, sadly, I was hoping to uh, uh, have been skiing in Switzerland since our last podcast. But uh, as regular listeners will know, I like to travel by train. Unfortunately, the French uh, travel ban wasn't lifted in time for me to take the Eurostar. So the last time I skied remains Lehman Weir in December. Now, let's start by asking my guests uh, when they skied or snowboarded last. What about yourself, Simon, given you're out in the Alps uh, when uh, I imagine it was fairly recently? Uh, yeah, yesterday uh, on snow in Verkarin, and uh, hopefully I'll be on snow uh, when we finish recording today. Nice. What are the conditions like in Verkarin at the moment? It's been really nice. The, uh, probably about a week ago, um, the whole valley got dumped on with snow. I was over in Grimentz and it was beautiful. Um, and then we've just had a week of glorious sunshine. Um, and Verkarin, because it's uh, north, northwest facing, um, it's done a really good job and there's snow making the piece of perfect. Excellent. Okay, that's really good to hear. And what about yourself, Martina? When were you last on snow? Uh, I think end of the year, just before the turn to the new year, in Pila. In Pila in Italy, in the Osta yes, Valley. Yes, in Osta Valley. Okay. Yeah, it had rained for three days before, 
and it was horrible. Okay. <laughs> but it was nice to be there, but there were queues. Every- I never saw so many people in the mountain. Okay. Well, I uh, hope that you will you be getting to go out there again? In, uh, in February, if everything goes on well, okay. nobody gets COVID, we're there. Okay, yeah. excellent. And um, Al, I suppose I'll check in, but I'm pretty sure that you haven't been yet this season. Is that right? Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, well, I'm sure that that time will come. Now, Katie hasn't been able to uh, join us live today, and that's Katie Crow from Battleface Travel Insurance. But I did manage to speak to her yesterday about all of the latest uh, travel changes and travel rules. There's certainly a lot of them. So let's have a listen to that conversation now. Right. It's great to have you back, uh, Katie. I think uh, you had a bit of time off over Christmas, but it's great to have you back on the uh, on the podcast. There have been lots of changes uh, since you were last on the uh, on the podcast. Shall we? Let's try doing it country by country. What about the UK? What are the key changes that we're looking at there? Hi, Ian. Yeah, it's great to be back. I think just worth saying that the blanket good news is that the ski resorts are open across Europe, which is fantastic. So yeah, on Friday the 7th of January, fully tra- fully vaccinated travellers returning to the UK no longer have to test for COVID-19 before they travel, which is excellent news. Um, and then from Sunday the 9th of January, rather than taking a PCR test on day two of arrival, returning travellers can now take a much cheaper lateral flow test and self-isolate until they have the result, which is brilliant news, much cheaper option than the PCR. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's that um, dropping the the pre-return test, as you might put it, because so many people, I think, are very nervous are going to test positive in that. Maybe they get stuck in the country they're uh, in, etc. And, you know, now that takes that sort of peril out the way. And I think, uh, you know, I've been reading this week and I've tweeted about this, that um, it's even been suggested that that day two return test it's obviously been dropped down to lateral flow now but maybe that will be removed as well for for vaccinated travelers as you say Ian, i think dropping the test um that was required before returning back to the uk has given travelers that peace of mind now that they can go away and have their holiday have their trip and can't and then not have to test before coming back to the uk um i understand there are more announcements coming with with regards to the uh day two test, the lateral flow day two test, um, but no news has yet hit. Yeah, okay. And and the other major change, which has happened uh, since we were last uh, together and, you know, since the last podcast, hooray, hooray, the end of uh, the travel ban uh, from the UK into France. So we can travel if you're vaccinated now. I wondered if you'd like to kind of elaborate on what the situation is with boosters and how it's going to affect children. I know this is a complicated area. Absolutely. As you say, such amazing news that the French government saw sense and that um, basically, despite closing its borders to non-EU travellers, announced that it would be relaxing its entry conditions on fully vaccinated travellers from the UK from the 14th of January, which was just brilliant for all those people wanting to go skiing in France. So fully vaccinated Brits and their children no longer need a compelling reason to travel to France. Travellers and their children from the UK are required to take a COVID-19 test in the 24 hours before their arrival in France. This can be either a PCR or antigen test. And young children under 18 do not need to prove they are fully vaccinated. They just need to prove that their accompanying adults are, which is which is really good. So, yeah, um, it's, yeah. A, it's a strange one, that, isn't it? Because that was one of the first questions that cropped up. Essentially, the way the wording is, is that children... Uh, kind of inherit the vaccination status of their parents. So if their parents are double vaccinated, then for children, it it doesn't matter what their vaccination status is as far as going into France is concerned. It's easier to uh, get in now, but it's still, there are complications. Uh, I mean, my suggestion would be, if you're thinking about going to France, make sure you have a booster because the rules are changing about that. Just simply being double vaccinated will depend on how long ago you had your second uh, vaccination. So in order to obtain the new vaccine pass, a complete schedule, so two doses or one, depending on the vaccine, will be required. And starting the 15th of February, a booster dose will be required four months and not the existing seven months after the previous dose for the pass to remain valid. 
my strong uh, recommendation is that just get that booster because you don't know when these things are going to change. You don't want to end up being about to go and discover that because your second vaccination was, you know, five months ago, uh, then you're not able to uh, to get in. What about the past sanitaire for children, Katie? What's the situation there? Absolutely. A really important point, Ian, um, is that everyone over the age of 12 needs a pass sanitaire to enter most public places, which includes restaurants, cafes and ski lifts. Vaccinated children aged 12 to 15 or their parents can apply online for an NHS COVID pass letter, which is then posted out to them. Um, and according to The Independent, British travellers over 16 will be expected to be fully vaccinated and should be able to access proof of their jabs through the NHS app. So if you're single vaccinated, my understanding is you can still go through that process to get the past sanitaire where you have daily, daily tests. But yeah, you can still do a daily test 24 hours before wanting to enter a venue that requires the COVID pass. Yeah, but it's not necessarily the venue, it's to use the lifts as well, if I understand it uh, correctly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The simple um, answer to all of this is if you're double vaccinated, you can travel to France without a problem. If your children are double vaccinated, uh, you know, uh, great. Um, but if your children are single vaccinated, it is still possible to ski and get a pass sanitaire at present by uh, having daily tests. So hopefully that will uh, remain the case. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, as time passes, more and more British children are going to have double vaccinations. It's less likely to be an issue. Exactly. What about what about if you're looking to go to uh, Italy, Katie? Do you have any uh, info on what the situation is there? Yeah, absolutely. So travellers going to Italy must demonstrate their COVID-19 vaccination status and don't need to self-isolate on arrival if fully vaccinated. They need to fill in a passenger locator form and have evidence of a negative PCR test taken within 48 hours before going into Italy or a negative antigen test taken within 24 hours before entering Italy. So um, quite straightforward there. Quite straightforward for adults, but there is an issue for children. Now, you know, unfortunately, we've had to, uh, well, we've had to cancel our February half term trip to Italy because our children will only be single vaccinated. And to go skiing in Italy, you know, it's now like a, a 2G uh, system. You've got to be double vaccinated and we weren't able to uh, to do anything about it. So that's a bit frustrating. I, I understand the super green pass measures are going to be reviewed by the 31st of March when it's possible that they will be relaxed. Yeah. What about, um, you know, Austria? It's the same. I don't think there's any change um, in relation to, you know, children. They can get their ninja pass over there, and uh, which I believe the testing is, uh, is free. So a bit easier for children to go skiing in Austria. What I like yeah. about Switzerland, and I've been mentioning this the whole time, is there just are no issues at all. If your children are under 16 and you want to go to Switzerland, there is no uh, uh, you know, additional testing or proof to get any pass sanitaire or health pass or anything like that. They can just go skiing. So yeah. Switzerland definitely you know, advantageous relative to the other countries. I think you know what seems clear to me, uh, Katie, is it is so complicated. You've really got to make sure that you're aware of what the latest situation is. Absolutely. Um, it's really important that you check on the um, FCDO website and you check all the entry requirements to your country of destination and take out the relevant uh, travel insurance. As you know, Battleface offers winter sports cover. And um, I'd really recommend that travellers uh, take out the necessary protection before their trip. Um, talking about Switzerland... Exciting news this morning that the press have confirmed that fully vaccinated international arrivals or those who've recovered from the virus will no longer be required to present a negative test before entering the country, which is brilliant news. Essentially, it just brings the cost down. Everything that yeah. brings the cost down, you know, is is much better. So that's 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 really good news. And it's been suggested uh, this morning to me that Austria are introducing this as well, but I haven't been able to second source it anywhere. But you know, that would be really good. Essentially, you know, the World Health Organization said today, and I sent this out as a uh, tweet. The World Health Organization has recommended lifting or easing international travel bans. You know, it's ineffective at trying to suppress the uh, spread of the omicron variant so you know the less testing the fewer rules the better <laughs> and then we can you know just talk about you know skiing instead instead of like how you get in and out of countries and all the hoops you have to pass through 
Yeah, absolutely. I think as we go further further into the season, I'm sure things are going to be more relaxed and everyone's going to be enjoy be able to enjoy a fantastic skiing holiday, which we all need. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I really hope so. Thanks for joining us again uh, today, Katie. And hopefully uh, next time you'll be able to join us live on the podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks so much, Ian. Pleasure to be here. So that was really uh, interesting and I'd like to thank Katie for joining me for that. I'd also like to point out that she had her own uh, has her own award nomination uh, in the Trav Media Awards. She's been nominated for a PR campaign uh, that she ran. And also you might be interested to know, listener, that Abby Butcher has been nominated uh, for the uh, best exclusive in the Trav Media Award. And longtime listeners will know that she was on the show in episode 66 talking about the uh, the Verbier fiasco, the flight from Verbier that never really happened that all the newspapers were talking about. So well done to her and I hope she wins that one. Now let's li- listen to uh, a few snow reports. Uh, Simon already just told us uh, what the situation is like in the Val d'Anivier, but um, we've got a few others to listen to. Hello Ian, it's Dave Burrows from Snow Pro Ski School. I am in... St. Serp in the Jura, which is just uh, the set of mountains that's just above Geneva that you fly over as you come in. We're here every Wednesday with um, with an international school group, and I am here with my fellow instructor, Stuart. Hi, Stuart. Hello. <laughs> I'm also here with Max, but he's too shy to be on the camera, and Stefan's in the toilet. So, uh, so that's not going to work. So how is the snow? Snow report from St. Serg. Snow St. Serg is like a two-lift hill. It's essentially a massive dry slope. How is it here? Yeah, well, it's not too bad, actually, since it's been cold for the past week, and I mean really cold uh, in the negatives. The snow's stayed, and it's still pretty skiable. So if you're interested in going out for a ski, I definitely recommend Sanser. If not, you can go higher up. It's a little more windy and a little chillier, but the snow is just as good up in Ladol. Yeah, so you can go up to Ladol, and then it continues on to the French side into La Rousse, doesn't it? But normally, we're based in the Port de Soleil, and, uh, and the Port de Soleil has been... It's just been the conditions have been magnificent for the last. We had that amazing power powder day, didn't we, on Monday? Yep. And then after that, you got. I'm sure you boys have been doing some touring and stuff. But since then, it's been just like high pressure, blue skies, blue skies and sunny, and it's, just uh, perfect yeah. conditions for clients. They absolutely love it, don't they? Perfect conditions for skiing and a beer afterwards on the yeah, slopes. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, that's our update. A little bit of snow is due for tonight, and then it goes back to high pressure. So uh, keep up the good work, Ian, and we will see you soon. Bye. Hello podcast listeners, um, thanks for inviting me back. Uh, long-term listeners in the show will A, know that I used to host a podcast with Ian Martin and B, know that um, long-term listeners in the show is one of Ian's favourite catchphrases. Anyway, I've been asked to do a snow report from Le Clouser. Um a quick update on my personal life, uh, I thought you'd be interested. Um, I've bought a house and I actually am officially a homeowner in France, it's wonderful. Um, the snow right now uh, on it is Friday the 21st of January um, the the piece are in fairly good condition when they're being groomed and really looked after um, the temperatures are cold so it's staying staying nice um, uh, and yeah it's really good groomed off piste is a bit difficult um, you know in some places it's nice and chalky there are pockets of powder if you're really prepared to go we haven't had snow for quite a long time I'm not sure there's much necessarily in the forecast but you know there's always adventure to be had um, it's been great to see uh, loads of people back from the UK out on the slopes I don't see as many uh, in the Clouser where I am but they definitely uh, are coming back um, clients that I work with um, have been reporting to me that everyone is so stoked um, that guests are back what's going on in Merivale is brilliant how they're welcoming everyone home um, as if it was their home uh, it's their ski home for lots of people so anyway uh, yeah this piece of good it's cold the snow's here um, come and have a good time hi Ian this is Babsy from Surfaus in the Tyrols um, we are 2,800 meters high um, as you can see, uh, bright sunshine, weather conditions are amazing. Um, lovely um, snow, we went off piste. Um, they're expecting more sunshine for the next couple of days and then some more fresh snow. Um, absolutely amazing. Feeling very lucky to be out here. Okay, bye. 
Right. If Listener, if you're out there and you'd like to send us a snow report, they're very welcome. I'm particularly interested in snow reports from Italy, Austria, the Pyrenees and North America. But a little closer to home, uh, we mentioned Rays earlier, where uh, Simon skied previously in the Lake District. Uh, you can also ski in Northumbria in England. Uh, and I was lucky enough to have a little chat with uh, Nigel Sanger from the Allen Heads Ski Club. So let's have a listen to that. Right, I'm delighted to be joined just now by Nigel Sanger, who is chairman of Ski Allenheads. Uh, I first came across uh, Allenheads in the uh, in a local paper. I think it was a Hexham um, something or other. But Nigel, welcome to the Ski Podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you. And you in? Uh, yeah, I'm good. But I suspect you've been skiing more recently than I have. Uh, have you been skiing in England recently? Yes, at our local ski club, Allenheads. Yes. Excellent. And just tell us, so where is Allenheads then? Um, in uh, southeast Northumberland. Okay. And where does that uh, position it? Somewhere near Newcastle, is it? Yeah. So if you draw a line between Carlisle and Newcastle and about halfway along and go down about 20 miles, you'll find, uh, you'll find Allenheads nestled in the, the northern Pennines. Right, excellent. Well, we did a feature a little while ago about the raise lift in uh, in the Lake District, and you know, I found that really fascinating. What's the situation with Allen Heads then? How how do people get up the slope, and how long is the slope coming down? Um, we've got um, we've got two drag lifts. They're, they're very old tractors that pull these big thick ropes. They're about um, about a hundred meters long each of them, so that gives us uh, two hundred meters either. 100 metres either side, and then we can uh, use the whole of the space in between. Right, okay, excellent. And and go on then, tell us what, what's the snow cover like at the moment? Uh, yeah, there won't be very much at the moment. Most of it will be gone by now. So so a couple of days ago, we had uh, enough to be running ski toes for two days, and uh, it, quite, it was very popular for those two days. And then the rain came. Once the rain comes, then it more or less washed out. Right, what's the altitude there then? It's not very high. Um, probably about. Uh, I'm guessing. I'm. I'm. I'm guessing. I'm. I'm not going to make this one up. I probably, probably have to look that one up. But it's not. It's not particularly high. But what is good is the hills around it are quite high. So it's okay. like a horseshoe of hills around the top, and it more or less dumps the snow down in this field. So uh, a long time ago, whoever whoever founded the club identified a really good location um, at Allen Heads. And Anna okay. in Allen Heads that seems to just collect the snow. Right. I mean, a lot of ski resorts tend to claim that they've got a microclimate. It sounds like you're uh, you're claiming a special microclimate for Allen Heads as well. <laughs> it is quite unique. You could be driving along. You come along from Hexham and there might be nothing in Hexham. You get to our house at Slaley here and you might see a bit of snow and then you get across to uh, Allen Heads and there might be uh, well, four or six inches of snow. Okay, so if someone you know was in that area, or even if they're not and they're just desperate to do a bit of skiing, how would they know that there's snow? Firstly, and how would they know that you're open? And would they even be able to go? Is it a private club? Um, well, they'd have to become a member first. Um, that that just uh, to cover us for insurance and, uh, uh, and and all the other things we need to be looking at. Um, uh, that we've got a website so the, the easiest thing is to go on the website and then you can find out whether the ski toes are open there's also a facebook page um and that works quite well yeah okay and and once you've uh, how much does it cost to become a member um so everything we do is is the cheapest we can possibly run it so it's all done by volunteers um so for a family membership if you do the early bird that's 50 pounds for the family or 70 pounds if you if you don't and for an individual member 25 pounds or 35 pounds if you if you don't get the early bird and once you've joined is that unlimited for the season then whenever you're yeah. open you can go along yeah that's it you just ski as much as you want to we've had so much interest this year that we've had to um have another level of membership which is a restricted membership which will be off peak times but um in reality, I think anybody who joined would get the chance to ski. Okay. Now, that's really interesting. You've got you know, a lot of extra interest this year. Do you think that's because of the challenges of going overseas? Or do you think it's perhaps because last year, you know, we covered a lot of people 
on the podcast, skiing in Wales, skiing in Northern Ireland, skiing in England, etc. I think people are more mindful of the fact that you can ski within the United Kingdom. Um, I think lockdown's had a lot to do with it, to be honest, and people are just itching to get out and do any kind of activity they, they can. Um, the, uh, the, the, pop, the membership always peaks in troughs depending on when the snow comes. When the snow comes, we get a lot of members, and then hmm. there'll be uh, some leaner years where there's not so many members. And then there'll be a year like last year where they, you could have skied for more or less a month. It's, uh, it just depends on uh, what's, happening, what's happening with the snow at that time. Yeah. How many ski days, how many days might uh, those drag lifts be running then, do you think, in a typical winter? Oh, that's that's incredibly variable, Ian. And um, I think with global warming, I, I wouldn't be able to put a finger on it. But um, I think last year you probably would have got at least 30 days of skiing from from what, from what I saw from the snow conditions up there. Another really? year you might only get half a dozen days of skiing. There's no, There's absolutely no guarantee with it. The other thing is, even though the snow might come, because it's all run by volunteers, there's other other considerations we've got to take into account, like who's available to run the toes. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds it sounds great. And if you're in the area, what I'll do is I'll put a link to uh, Ski Allen Heads in the show notes to the website and to the Facebook page. And I'd like to thank you, Nigel, for joining us and all of the volunteers who help make that club run and give people you know a chance to get a few turns in even if it might only be a little bit when they might not otherwise be able to so thanks very much nigel oh you're welcome you're welcome that's your part of the world isn't it al have you ever been there yeah so when i was pretty wee i did ski at Allen heads and then also in weirdale there's a ski hill there um and actually i used to go and hike and snowboard down in the cheviots you can do quite a lot in northumberland it's pretty excellent Okay, well, it sounds interesting, and you know, uh, I, I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, to the Allen Head Ski Club, so you can have a have a look at that. Now, um, Simon, I mentioned uh, had skied in the Lake District, and he, you know, Simon, you are gradually working your way around the entire world, as far as I can see, uh, for your skiing. But the last month or so, you've been exploring Switzerland and using the Magic Pass, and I wondered if you could just explain to a listener who you know may not be familiar what the Magic Pass is. Yeah, so, well, I would argue that the Magic Pass is probably one of the best value um, season passes that you can get in the world. Um, my particular form of uh, skiing, snowboarding travel is I tend to look for multi-resort passes that allow me to go to a few different resorts on a trip. And um, I was speaking to a friend um, on Twitter who pointed me in the direction of Grimentz and I came across this lift pass, the Magic Pass. And um if you buy it early enough, so normally in May, um, it goes on sale for 399 Swiss francs, which works out at about 320 pounds. Now, for that 320 pounds, um, it covers 40 ski resorts throughout the winter, which all seem to lie along this one long road in Switzerland. And you either go <laughs> up the valley to the left or you go up the valley to the right. And Yeah, we're talking um, about the Valais region of Switzerland, aren't we? So essentially, I think it's the Rhone Valley. Is that right? Yeah, it's honestly, it's probably one of the easiest road trips you'd ever do. So if you were looking for a multi-resort ski trip, like everything's just off this one road. And um to put it into context, your 40 ski resorts for the winter, it also covers um, summer operations, not for skiing, but you can uh, visit 21 of the resorts um, during the summer for hiking, uh, mountain biking. A lot of the resorts have um, thermal pools that you can add on as like an extra. So I've had some fun visiting some of those. Um, but to put it in context, I, I visited Sasfay on the trip and six days in Sasfe um, was 369 Swiss francs. So if you're <laughs> going to do more than six days of skiing in a winter, um, you're easily going to make your money back. So um, I, I would highly recommend it. I've visited some, some nice resorts, some big ones, small ones. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I've skied some of the, the resorts in that area because i'm pretty sure that you know as as you say you're working your way along that valley and we'll find out uh, shortly how many of those 40 resorts you've been to but i think it's i think it's quite a lot but 
that certainly is value for money. I mean, if you talk about £320 uh, for a, a lift ticket that covers 40 resorts for the whole of the season, you know, and some summer things as well. What about, let, let's just, you know, tackle, I don't know if it's the elephant in the room or whatever, but, um, you know, Switzerland is widely regarded as being a really expensive place just to spend any time at all. What about that factor, you know, when you when you build that in? How important or not have you found that? Um, yeah, you've, you've definitely got to consider that. Um for example, when I was um, around Anzair and Cron Montana, um, I stayed below the resorts, a 20-minute drive up. There's free parking in, in Anzair, for example. And I think my 10 days there was about £500. Um, I had a little apartment and um, I could cook for myself. And I think if you're planning a long trip, um, it's definitely a good idea to um, plan ahead. <laughs> I, I knew Swiss supermarkets can be expensive, so I brought some essentials out with me uh, so I didn't need to spend £5 on a pot of Nutella. Um, <laughs> so it's just a, it's just about planning ahead. I've kind of mixed it up. At Christmas, I stayed in a really nice apartment because I wanted to be in, in, a, in a great place. Um, the hotel that I'm in in Verkarin at the moment is beautiful, so you can find some really great apartments, but there's also budget. So it's down to you and, and you know, your scenario. Okay, well, let's start with, um, you know, you've been to, I'm thinking you've been to a lot of resorts. I, I have been following your trip on uh, on Twitter and social media. And uh, you made me very jealous because I know you've been out there. Because when did you actually get out uh, to Switzerland? Uh, just before France closed. So I think it was December 18th. I was on the, um, on the Eurotunnel. Yeah, so you know, I was talking about feeling jealous before, but this is, a, you're around the uh, end of your fifth week or something like that right now. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm coming back um, within the next, you know, um, seven days. I was meant to be here a little bit longer, but it's been a good trip and um, definitely a nice stint <laughs> out in the mountains. It was needed <laughs> after last year, definitely needed. Hey, you know, I know where you're coming from and I know you're a very keen skier. And the fact is that you've been able to build it into your job. But if I understand it correctly, um, from what we're involving, you're, you're a teacher and your um, head has uh, is very understanding. Is that right? Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I, I kind of I moved to the Lake District. I ended up in, in a school that's very supportive. And um, I just went and, and spoke to my head teacher. And yeah, um, she was very kind enough to, to allow me to have this time um, to, to go skiing, which isn't isn't normal. Um, and so I'm really appreciative of that opportunity. Yeah, well, you've been certainly taking advantage of it. And I think, you know, uh, perhaps one of the things that uh, you know COVID has has given a lesson to everybody is that life is there to be enjoyed while you can and to get the most out of it. And you're really doing that. So you're in Verkarin at the moment. What? So that's in the Val uh, Denivier. So just to describe it to me, most people arrive into Geneva. You're heading off down the Rhone Valley, past Lausanne. You keep going. You go uh, through uh, Sion and up to your uh, left is Cromontana and up to your right is the Val Denivier. Yeah, that um, that's correct. Um, it's close to uh, the town or um, of Sierre, um, probably about thirty minutes down the valley, um, and probably about forty fifty minutes down to Sion. Um, yeah, and it's a beautiful valley with a range of really nice ski resorts, all within twenty to thirty minutes. And Verkarin tends to be um, quite central to that. So um, twenty minutes from here, you have Grimentz and Zinau. Half an hour, you have um, St. Luke, uh, Chandelin, and then on the other side, as you mentioned, within 40 minutes, you're at Onzer or, or Cron Montana. So you could definitely use this as a base to take in quite a few different resorts. And and Verkarin is, is as you go up the valley from uh, Sierre, it's kind of, I want to say, on the right-hand side as you go up. It's kind of the first resort you come to, is that right? If you're going from, from your direction, yeah, it would be on the right, and it's it's the first one. Yeah, and would you describe it as being a good base for the Val Denivier ski area then? Uh, definitely. I think you are centrally located, as mentioned, to St. Luke, to, to Grimentz. Um, so you can use it as a base to get about. But more than that, it's a nice resort in itself. Um, I, I've spent the last two to three days here. It's a small resort, um, about 35 kilometres apiece, but it doesn't quite tell the whole story. Um, that In the right conditions, there's... 
um, some nice runs that go through the trees. Um, like the rest of this valley in general, um, there's opportunities to go for a bit of a walk or a hike and, and get some off-piste in. Um, I, I've actually, I'm quite fond of it. As a village, the village is really nice as well. Um, so it's been a nice base for the last few days for sure. And it and it links in with the rest of the ski resorts because the ones that you know that I am more familiar with are uh, Grimentz and Zenel. And regular listeners will remember that I went out to Zenel trail running, uh, you know, back in the uh, summer. I would love to see it in winter uh, as well. But it links into all of those different other resorts, does it? Um, there are buses that you can take to get between the different resorts that if you don't want to, you know, mess around with um, parking prices or anything like that, it's possible on public transport. Um, for example, if you just wanted to get to Berkerin by public transport, you can get the train to Sierre um, from Sierre, um, a short bus, and then you can be at the chalet um, cable car, which will take you up to the village of Berkerin. So um, it's possible to do without a car as well. Yeah, and what I remember about I travel by train. Uh, I've also I've been trail running twice. I've stayed in San Luke a couple of years uh, before. Is that what's beautiful about that is when you got off at, get off at Sierra, the buses are scheduled to line up with the trains, and you know that they're going to be on time. So you get there, you've got enough time to walk with your bag round off the platform onto the bus station. Then one goes straight away, and if you want to change, I can't remember where the uh, change point was on the buses. Uh, but you know you get to the midpoint and if you're continuing on to Zenal or if you're going to San uh, Luke again you get off that bus another bus goes within two or three minutes from there so it, it all links up you know really well okay so that's where you are at the moment and where else have you uh, been just now I, you know I don't know if you'll be able to fit it into this conversation with 40 resorts but uh, what were the highlights so far um so I started in a Laysan. Uh, which was absolutely beautiful. Um, as a resort, it's linked um, by bus to, uh, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but uh, Les Moss or Les Moses and uh, yep. La Lecherette. Um, I really enjoyed those two resorts so that there's no lifts in La Lecherette or uh, Les Moses. Um, it's all um, surface lifts, but it was quiet. The piece were beautiful. Um, I'd love to get back there. Like It was early season, so they needed a bit more snow. Um, but they'd definitely be a couple of the resorts that I'd like to check out again. Um, I then moved on uh, to Sastau, where I did Sasfe and Sas Almagal. I put a video out on YouTube this week about my first impressions of Sasfe, and I, I wouldn't say it was my favourite resort that I've been to, and um, I've been gone through some of the reasons for that, but I loved Sas Almagal. They've got a beautiful, I think it's... Um, uh, run from the top of the resort right down to the bottom all on red grade uh, terrain and the piece were perfect there very quiet on Zaire and Cron Montana I did some touring at Cron Montana um, just in their rando park that was that yep. was really nice um, because that's also an add-on um, to the the magic pass it's 145 Swiss francs um, for 100 days of use at Cron Montana so I decided um, because I was only going to be in the area a couple of days, I would do some splitboarding. Grement, Zinau, I think probably up there with my favourite resorts I've ever visited. I think every lift you've got somewhere that you can walk to to um, get into some pretty nice off-piste. They've got a free ride zone specifically at, um, at Zinau, which was beautiful. Um, and then a morning at St. Luke, uh, which was really nice, beautiful sunshine. And then I'm hoping to get back there in April. Right. I mean, you know, it sounds amazing. I'm, I'm super jealous. I mean, a few things you've mentioned there, the ski touring in Crown Montana in the Rando Park. Yeah, I went there in December 2020, I think it was, just managed to get it in there. And it's, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it there. It was uh, very quiet as I'm, depending exactly when you were there uh, as well. And Grimentz, uh, Zeno, listening to you talking about it, having run around that area, I'm really keen to uh, to get out there in winter and have a look at that as well. I've got a feeling, so I'm going to have to get you back. There's so much to talk about. We'll have to get you back uh, again, maybe at the end of the season after you've, uh, did you say you're going back to the UK and then back out Switzerland again later? Uh, yeah, so the, the plan is um, Easter holiday. Um, I'll be back out trying to, maybe tick off a couple more of those resorts that I haven't quite managed to to get to yet. Cool. Well, I mean, that's really, really interesting. I knew about the Magic Pass uh, before and those details I'll drop into the show notes as well. So, listener, you can have a look at that. So thanks very much, uh, Simon. Really appreciate that. Uh, 
Martina, we're going to come to you now. Um, sure. Now you mentioned you mentioned that you were in Pila over uh, New Year. You know, it, Italy um, is somewhere I was personally really looking forward to going at half term. Sadly, um, my children are only single vaccinated, and the Super Green Pass has come into play now in Italy, which means that you know we just can't get them double vaccinated in time. Um, but you know, I would really love to spend uh, uh, more time in Italy. You've been in the Osta Valley for quite a long time. Do you have a place yes. out there? I have a place just 10 minutes from Courmayeur, 20 from Latuil, and half an hour from Aosta. So it's great to, to go skiing everywhere too. Right. Yeah. So so those different resorts, you you mentioned a Pila. So if yeah. people aren't so familiar, you know, most people know where Chamonix is. You go through the tunnel, you come to Courmayeur first. And as you drive down yeah. that valley, then you've got Latuil over to the right, Chervinia to the right. up to the left. Uh, and and Chervinia, the main... no more. You have to pass Aosta for Chervinia. Okay, is Aosta, it right? Okay. And then you go to the left. Yeah. yeah. And the town of Aosta, you've got Pila uh, above that. So what's yeah. your what's your favourite uh, place to ski out of all those uh, uh Aosta Valley options? Uh, I like the free for different reasons. I like Courmayeur for the, it's pretty small as a resort, but has good off-piste, but I'm really with my kids, I'm not skiing off-piste. But the views there, you're just by the Mont Blanc, the Monte Bianco, showering there, the views are amazing. And the food, it's just to go and eat there. Then La Tuil has really nice peace. It can be cold, so if it has, it's all pretty but open and there's nothing to stop the wind. So December can be freezing there if it's cold. But it's really nice and it's connected to La Rosière. Well, I've been there when I've skied uh, in La Rosière on holiday and, and gone over. The connection isn't so good between no. the two. For uh, any kind of intermediate skier, it's fine. Well, our kids are a bit, uh, there's a long drag lift uh, that you have to go on, which is a bit too challenging for the kids. But amazing hot chocolates <laughs> over in La yeah, Rosière. That's true. the main thing I remember. Sort of hot chocolate where you can stick a spoon in it or just like stand upright yeah. in the hot chocolate. <laughs> I bought some for doing home. I did. We were doing it yesterday. It's great. It's really thick. Pila, Pila. It's the first place we went by chance. I rented the first time when my kids. One was just three, and the other one was four. Like the eldest one skied in Portillo when he was before he was two. But for my, then we have a couple of years without skiing, and I rented a place in Olomont. It's one of the small resorts of Val de Aosta. Just because I look in the map and say I'm not going to spend money in a big resort for them to start doing a couple of turns. And we went to Le Monde, there was no um, rentals for their size, there was no teeters, and I was trying to teeth. I had my little one screaming, the head out off, and like, oh, this is not going on well. And somebody told me, or go to Crevacol, or go to Pila. And we just went down to Pila. And from there, we got to know it. And then the next year, we stayed outside of Aosta in Ponsoise, it's just under the motorway. And we always rented there a flat for a couple of years, five minutes from the gondola, no? Yeah, I mean, I I went to Aosta um, and stayed there in the uh, town and skied up in Pila. And I know that Pila, I can see how it could really work, uh, you know, for beginners and improvers. And in fact, there's a British company called Interski who have mm. really been struggling over the last uh, few years with all of the COVID changes, etc., who have always focused on that area in Pila, taking school groups out from the UK. And, and I like the idea that you can stay down in Aosta. They've got a very efficient, uh, fast gondola lift, haven't they? that goes up to the resort from the town in the valley 18 minutes 18 right minutes. there you go yeah and i and i love the fact that down in aosta yeah food is good value you know is excellent but they have like a, a like a roman amphitheater as well that you yes they have, visit, it's the biggest they? city in italy for ruins it's the rome of the alps it's called they have the the door the pretoria la puerta pretoria then the Ark of Augustus. It's a really lovely city. It's a city, it's not a town. And we mentioned with Simon, you know, the potential, uh, you know, costs of perhaps of being in Switzerland. I think it's yeah. almost the inverse when you talk about Italy. You know, you can go yes. out and just be so surprised about how... I was spending... This apartment was 400, uh, 400 euros for one week. And then you have a big pizza for six euros on the mountain. Like, you cannot beat that. And and so you mentioned uh, Cormier as well. I mean, slightly different in Cormier, a bit more shishi. You know, yeah. I think you get a few people going from, <laughs> uh, you know, Milan and Turin uh, up there. But and obviously Genova. it does does go very high. And, you, you know, you can access actually the uh, the Valley Blanche and ski down. Uh, yeah, uh, that's from the other lift. There are two lift companies there. One is the Skyway Monte Bianco and the other one is the Courmayer, whatever it's called. Yeah, right. Courmayer one has the, the two lifts out of town. One is the Armani funicular that comes out from town. Via Roma, you go down and you have it. The other one is the Balveni lift. Uh, that's another funicular but old that goes to the other side of the mountain. So Courmayer has the front side that is the Plan Checrut and Colcrete Checrut. 
So it's the front side, sunny side. And then you have the balvenie, it's the back, that's a bit more wild and uh, it's a bit more in, in the darkness, but beautiful and less people, lots of people that go there. It's a bit more difficult too. And then from there, from the top, you can do lots of off-piece if you want. Yeah. And you have the third lift that is another company, it's Skyway, Skyway Monte Bianco, that's a rotter um, gondola that turns around like the one in Engelberg, no? and yep. has two stations. The top one from there, you can connect to the uh, Chamonix, the panoramic Mont Blanc lift yeah. that goes from Courmayeur, from Punta Helbronner to Aguil Dubidi. And from yeah. there, you start. But uh, starting from Courmayeur, it's easier to skate into the Valle Blanche. Ah, I mean, I've, I have so. done it before, actually. You start slightly uh, uh, lower down, but you get a different uh, route in. Um, but, you know, I have a bunch of friends who live out in uh, Chamonix who regularly go over to Cormier to ski, particularly if it's bad weather, because you've got more options in the trees over in Cormier. And often mm. you can have a different weather system, you know, on the other side of Montblanc. Usually you have well. better weather in Cormier than in Chamonix. Plus it's cheaper to eat, much cheaper. <laughs> yeah, excellent. And, and so, I mean, that's really interesting. You know, I do, uh, you know, I have skied most of those resorts uh, in that area. And, uh, you know, I've been there in summer as well. You know, been yeah. trail running through, uh, you know, Cormier and stayed in some of the uh, refuges uh, over there. Um, I think listeners might imagine that you're uh, uh, Italian uh, with your accent, Martina. No, I'm fact, Argentine. I will I, be right. Italian next year. I will be Italian. I already have the date of the audience. So my dog is Italian because it's much cheaper to cross him. It's 25 euros <laughs> and it's 180 pounds every time. But we are when, next year will be Italians. Okay, yeah. but you're from Argentina, so you know. Have you have you skied in Argentina? Yes, uh, Las Leñas was my base. Bariloche, Cerro Castor, Ushuaia, southernmost city in the world, and Chapelco, and then there are smaller resorts, and then in Chile too, because it's just the other side. But only five percent of our listeners are from North uh, America, from Canada or uh, the states. The Americans what? is lots of Americans go to down to ski. Eh? In September is all Americans. Eh, or both sides of the Andes. So it's a big market. Excellent. Uh, Simon, you put your hand up just then. It wouldn't surprise me if you skied over there. Have you done that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to um, Argentina, to Bariloche, um, well, I think maybe 2014. And I was just going to say that once you're there, it's actually quite an affordable place to ski. Um, and again, some, some great terrain. Uh, Cathedral is one of the most beautiful ski resorts overlooking uh, the lakes and um, there's a few there's a seven lakes drive and you can take in a few um, different ski resorts around that beautiful part of the world excellent you you know we will take off all the different resorts you've been to <laughs> if we have if we have enough time excellent uh, martina well that's really interesting and thank you very much uh, for that when will you be out in italy again then february for half term Maybe you can send us a snow report uh, sure. um, when you get back and let us know, you know, how it is. That's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Grazie or uh, gracias. Uh, which gracias. Gracias. <laughs> gracias is very Spanish. And from Argentina, we eat this. Gracias. <laughs> right. Let's move on to Al. Um, we missed you in the last episode, uh, Al. I wondered firstly, though, and I probably should have asked you this in the green room beforehand. But uh, did you listen to the last episode? We had Rob uh, Reese did a report on the visit to the Stuckley factory. Yeah. And my question is, do you know how to pronounce Stuckley or Stuckley or whatever it is? Well, I'm Northern. It's always been Stuckley, but it's either Stuckley or Stuckley. But yeah. And then M, um, because you had an M Sarsfield on a sheet and she said it a different way. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a brilliant brand. It's it's like it's like Kessley skis and some, some people call it Castle and, you know. Yeah, well, Rob actually sent us through a little clip on how to pronounce it properly, so let's have a listen to that. Hi, and this is Rob here. It is Stuckley, because um, obviously it's a Swiss company. As I said, they're in that little village of Malta's, just outside Lucerne. So it's a very local business, and it was started by Joseph Stuckley, and he basically started selling skis out in the factory gate. Right, so there you go, definitive uh, answer to that, how you pronounce, insert correct uh, name here. Uh, right, uh, Al, uh, I mentioned earlier you've been up to a slide, the uh, industry uh, trade event uh, earlier this week. What can you tell us about uh, what you've seen this week and what, what's new, what's coming up for uh, for next winter? How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we don't is... have a sole episode for this, but uh, you're going to have to summarise. Yeah, what are we looking it at? It is pretty exciting because it's looking at next season's kit. The show didn't happen last year. The whole industry came together and it was combined with the outdoor show. My background's climbing mountaineering. So just for geeking out, it was nice. But one of the most positive things for me was just how 
so many of the brands are focusing far more on what they can do to reduce the environmental impact of ski soft goods, hard goods production. Brilliant, fantastic, from how they power and heat factories to, to little things, you know, what they do with when they're making skis and then they're trimming them, what they do with those offcuts. Can they put them into the heating system? Can they recycle some? So it's brilliant to see it going forward. We're not at the ultimate goal yet, but there's some really big steps. Really pleased to see that. Um, and then there was a really interesting innovation from Head Ski. So people think about ski bindings as being there for safety and lots of people, you know, might worry about knee trauma. I personally know quite a few people who've got damages and there's a lot of people that ski. So it's a slightly skewed perspective. Um, but the original safety system in bindings was to stop bone damage. So spiral fractures in the lower leg. And it basically got rid of that overnight. But what we've not seen hugely is development in protecting knee ligaments. There was one, there's an international ski safety society. There's a binding that came out of some guys there called the knee binding, but it never really took off. It was pretty limited in its application, but head of, made huge inroads here with a new protector binding to reduce ACL and, and just knee ligament trauma by more than 50%. So that's really exciting. So it's something to do with how the binding is designed that means it, it frees in a different way that helps protect uh, the ligaments. Is, is that it? Abs absolutely correct. So, you know, you can super geek out on the dynamics of what causes ACL issues. So we're not going to do that. But in a short term, you know, a succinct way, the heel of the binding can slide and rotate out of the way to reduce that strain on the ligaments in the knee. And it's just pretty impressive. It's a hard problem to solve because you want the binding to still perform fantastically well on the down. And I think that's part of the issue and they've nailed it. And when you say you nailed it, I mean, you're obviously in a, in an exhibition hall. How can you yeah. know how it works, how it performs on the snow in those uh, So I, I have been involved with the International Ski Safety Society for... I don't know, best part of 15 years. They have meetings every few years. I've been to a lot of those. I see a lot of the research in the background. And from looking at the designs around this binding and known various situations that have gone before that, at the moment, it, they are on a really good footing, excuse the pun, to solve this issue or certainly reduce the trauma that we see in skis. And we'll see this filter out across the market. Other brands will, will start to okay. do some of the things. Okay, and, and what's that um, you know, method uh, called from head then? So it's the head protector binding and they do it in free ride version. They do it in a regular downhill in their PR binding. Okay. So that's, but that's for 22, 23 season. It's not yep. out currently. What else caught your attention while you were there, Al? So I think I've mentioned it on a previous podcast before, but you know what? Skiing should be fun. For a few yeah. years, I've had some skis that are full on chargers, but actually to get on them and use them can be a bit of a challenge. And it's just kept going. We're seeing way more product that not only gives that full on charging adrenaline top end but you can get on the skis at lower speeds ski with the kids ski with your family and it, and it's brilliant you know and this is across all brands i'm not going to pick out any particular brand because would be here for a long time combined with that in the last two years with people not being able to get lift access skiing so they're touring we've just got product that also performs fantastically well on the ski better boots the boot fit is just getting better and better and better across all brands it's a positive story for skiers just to kind of, you know, put that into my kind of uh, layman's terms, you're talking about like an all-mountain ski that delivers at slower speeds as well. Is that that sort of thing? You're across the board. Across the board. So you can go piece performance skis, but, you know, wider footprints, easier use at lower speeds. But because of what we can do with modern materials and construction methods, it's amazing the broad spectrum of abilities one ski can cater for they're still going to be specifically aimed at an expert skier an advanced skier but this goes right through touring through all mountain through free ride what about i know they hand out awards for uh, innovation and, and various different areas so were there any uh, award winners that kind of stood out to you there's a brand called artelect which i've not come across before so this is started by a guy out in boulder colorado called trent bush but one of the really interesting things with artelect so Theirs is art and intelligence. That's kind of what it comes from. But just the technicality of their products, because they look amazing. You just wear them down the street, look brilliant. And what they're doing with Merino yarns, because one of the big issues with Merino wool, it performs fantastically well. I love Merino, but I can break Merino kit. It gets holes in it. 
but this is way more durable, more stretched, still got an amazingly soft feel. And it's just really, it's a, a relatively new company. I think it's only a couple of years old and the product is super impressive. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's um, really interesting. I've actually got a base layer from uh, Smartwool which is also uh, Merino. And what I quite liked about, I know this isn't anything to do with uh, slide <laughs> just now, but I picked it out because it's a plant-based dye. And I, you know, I was trying to find something that I thought would be as environmentally yeah. friendly as possible. Is that one of those innovations that uh, is becoming more common now? Yeah, just the whole treatment around clothing dyes, how we're waterproofing things. But yeah, this smart wool tops. Honestly, I've tested them. I'm a big fan. I, I, I really like the smart wool kit. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, that's really helpful uh, and and interesting as always. I've noticed a few of your articles appearing in the Telegraph as well. You know, the the top ten uh, boots mm. and top ten skis and things like that. So well done for for getting uh, those out there. I, I like the fact that uh, our expert on the ski podcast is also the expert uh, for the Telegraph, and I know your write ups will appear in uh, the different magazines for next year as well, won't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Cool. Okay. Well, I just want to remind listeners that if you're looking to hire, uh, personally, I recommend in sport, you know, I've got my own boots. I mentioned in episode 86 about their boot dock service. I um, also like the fact you can change your skis during the week. And uh, a factor that might be important to you, although hopefully it won't be now, is that you can cancel at any time as well. Cancel your booking up to the last minute and get all your money back using the refund now button. With Intersport's new option, you're in control. Right, let's move on to the Winter Olympics. By the time you listen to this, or you're listening now, it'll be less than two weeks until the Beijing Winter Olympics. So let's have a little check-in on progress. There's been uh, some great success in the Paralympic World Championships. A lot of medals uh, won, but that's looking very positive. John Allen Butterworth, who I interviewed uh, a while ago, represented GB for the first time. So that was really interesting. You can listen to my uh, interview with him if you look back uh, over previous episodes. Uh, And there's also been some good success for our Winter Olympians. Charlotte Banks, uh, Emily picked her out. Emily Sarsfield picked her out in our last episode as, um, you know, a real potential medal prospect. Well, she's had a couple more firsts since then. She's number one in the world. And it would be, you know, a big surprise or a big disappointment that she didn't pick up at least something at the Olympics. Katie Ormrod's been showing some form, picked up a fourth in slope style in Mammoth. Uh, Kirsty Muir was another one that Emily picked out. She came fifth in uh, slope style, also in Mammoth. And Katie Summerhays, who you'd probably describe as a veteran uh, athlete now, although when I first met her at uh, the uh, Manchester Ski Show, um, she was nine years old. Uh, and uh, Pat Sharples, who I've interviewed before, had brought her in as one of the uh, potential stars of the future. Anyway, she came sixth in the slope style in Font Rameau. Uh, Charlie Guest uh, got her best ever result, 13th in Schladming. Also, in other Beijing news, I noticed recently that Team GB athletes have been uh, given burner phones, apparently, to avoid being spied on and told not to say anything negative about their Chinese hosts uh, in case they get arrested. Um, On a more positive note, it looks like we'll be joined by uh, Ski Sunday's Chemi Alcott in our next uh, podcast, I think direct from the BBC studios in Salford, and she'll give us a final rundown on those Olympic hopefuls. Right, we'll move to the close now. Uh, Reviews and comments are uh, always uh, welcome wherever you want to leave them, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, social media or by email. Uh, Here's a few we've received since our last episode. Doug Newman said, great podcasting. I'd like to thank Phil Gordon from the Legends of the Brand podcast, who mentioned uh, our excellent podcast uh, or interview with Pat Sharples. Uh, Janet Barnett uh, said she's been listening uh, to the ski podcast since the 2018 Olympics uh, and is still very much enjoying every episode. And don't forget, you can always buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash a ski podcast. Uh, all cuppers are appreciated. I'd like to thank Coral, who bought me one. She said, the only thing to cure a pining for the mountains when you can't otherwise be on them. And Paul Son uh, also bought me a coffee. Thank you. He said, I've been enjoying your really useful uh, podcast. Do you have any advice on this uh, for Americans who fly into Switzerland? Do you know what the current process is if you drive into France? Uh, are there border checks? Uh, as as you need to show a test. Now, this question gets asked a lot on on Twitter. I'm constantly asking this one, not just for our American friends, for for British people. If you fly into Switzerland, what's the situation going into France? In my experience, I've crossed that border driving from uh, Geneva Airport into France 
I have no idea how many times. It could be in the hundreds. And I've never, never been stopped going into uh, France. In the other direction, I've been stopped because the Swiss want to make sure that you've got the vignette to use the motorways, but they never asked to see my passport or anything like that. I wondered if any of my guests today have got any experiences of uh, crossing that border. Similar to what you were saying, um, when I arrived in France um, at the start of this trip and drove across the border into Switzerland, and the only stop was for um, for the vignette to use the motorways. Martina, can I ask you, what about going yeah. through the uh, Mont Blanc Mont tunnel back and forth uh, between uh, Italy and France? Yes, uh, at least last time, um, there were signs. We went through. The Carabinieri are there. They're going to stop us. Eh? Nothing. I mean, I think sometimes you find that the smaller borders, they can be more officious. In the border, uh, when you drive uh, through Valocine in the direction of Martigny and vice versa, going from Chamonix in the direction mm. of uh, Verbier, for example, I've been stopped there on several occasions. And in fact, um, remember Tony McWilliam in the interview I did with him, the guy who founded uh, Faction Skis, you can listen to that mm. in the back catalogue, told me that uh, you know he snuck through his first ever a production of faction skis you know covered by a blanket in the back of his uh, vehicle from france into uh, into switzerland also when i was doing a, a, a natives parties back in the day we often used to get different sponsors on board and i remember one time we had um, extreme energy i don't know if you ever came across that drink there was a time when red bull wasn't allowed to be sold in france it's hard to kind of imagine that now but uh, because of the uh, contents it wasn't given permission so we had this energy drink which was packed full of taurine and caffeine etc but it wasn't i think the if i remember correctly it wasn't allowed uh, in switzerland and we were taking over to a party over there and john tregell our event manager had to hide all of that in the back of his uh, van shouldn't admit this uh, now but you're not gonna be able to uh, they're not gonna get us now okay well i hope that helps you uh, paul um as i mentioned before the ski podcast has been nominated as best winter uh, sports podcast in the sports podcast awards if you would like to vote for us listener just go along to uh, sportspodcastawards.com it takes a couple of minutes and i would really appreciate it i'd like to thank uh, the many people who voted for us already now i enjoy all feedback about the show so please do email me you can follow me at skipedia and the podcast at the ski podcast uh, but for now i'd like to thank switzerland tourism for sponsoring the show and thank my guest today simon thanks ian lovely to be here excellent martina yeah thank you for having me uh, and Al. Thank you once again, Ian. It's always fun. Excellent. And finally, listener, thank you for joining us and goodbye.